Welcome back to Round 12, the podcast that will always be dedicated to growth, development, and motivational mastery. I am your host, Sensei Roger B. Hamilton. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of the Round 12 podcast series. Let's go get it. Your fight or flight mechanism and how to make peace with it. This is a world premiere. This is a world premiere. This is a world premiere. I done been through a whole lot. Trial, tribulation, but I know God. Satan wanna put me in a bow tie. Pray that the holy water don't go dry, yeah, yeah. As I look around me, so many motherfuckers wanna tell me. But ain't no me gon' never drown me. In front of a dirty double mirror, they found me. And I love myself. The world is a ghetto, big guns and dickies. I love myself. But they can do what they want whenever they want. I don't mind. I love myself. Keep y'all on tuck and rotation I duck these cold faces Post up e 504 basis Dreams are reality's peace Blow steam in the face of the beast The sky can fall down, the wind can cry Now the strong in me, I still smile I love myself The world is a ghetto with guns and dickies response and the way we deal with it is a very interesting topic. It's a subject I've long been interested in, but even more so today. When you consider the figurative energy in the air these days, and the aggressiveness from a cross-section of people that seems to show itself more than in the past, it's worth it to know where you stand and how you handle the challenges and obstacles of your life. This week's episode of the Round 12 podcast explores the way the brain works and ultimately asks some questions, some important questions. It also offers some enlightening and clarifying answers on how to make the best of your thoughts, reactions, and brain processes so you can have a better chance at staying chill. I learned from my own observation and perspective that some of us use silence as a tool. 
We have learned that the less we say, the more trouble we can avoid, even though we may have an option or an opinion on a given topic, we keep it to ourselves for fear of reprisal. Then it just becomes habit, just the way we are. Alternatively, there are some of us who use anger as a tool, almost like the quote, the best offense is a good defense. When trouble arrives, we respond, we react, and we are ready to fight, not even so much as a man-to-man fight, as a figurative, I gotta protect myself fight. It's like our internal mechanism is saying to us in code, you can't trust this situation. You can't trust this environment. You can't trust this group. You can't trust this process because you have learned that these things can hurt you. So you find it better to fight first and ask questions later. In the email provided, Take a look at the Halloween night example of fight or flight response for a strong example of just how quickly the brain makes a decision when your experiences have carved a firm place in your psyche. No, I don't think we can adjust and tailor all of our responses and thinking to be new and improved or different necessarily after this podcast episode. However, I think the more we know about a given subject, the better we understand the world we live in and operate effectively in the process. Let's break it down for review. A stressful situation, whether something environmental, such as a looming work deadline or psychological, such as persistent worry about losing a job or paying your bills, can trigger a cascade of stress hormones that produce well-orchestrated physiological changes. A stressful incident can make the heart pound and speed up breathing. Muscles tense and beads of sweat may appear. This combination of reactions to stress is also known as the fight or flight response because it evolved as a survival mechanism, enabling people and other mammals to react quickly to life-threatening situations. The carefully orchestrated yet near instantaneous sequence of hormonal changes and physiological responses helps someone to fight off the threat or flee to safety. Unfortunately, the body can also overreact to stressors that are not life-threatening, such as traffic jams, work pressure, and family difficulties. Over the years, researchers have learned not only how and why these reactions occur, but have also gained insight into the long-term effects chronic stress has on physical and psychological health. Over time, repeated activation of the stress response takes a toll on the body. Research suggests that chronic stress contributes to high blood pressure, promotes the formation of artery-clogging deposits, and causes brain changes that may, may contribute to anxiety, depression, and addiction. More preliminary research suggests that chronic stress may also contribute to obesity, both through direct mechanisms, causing people to eat more, or indirectly, decreasing sleep and exercise. Sounding the alarm. The stress response begins in the brain. When someone confronts an oncoming car or other danger, the eyes or ears or both send the information to the amygdala, an area of the brain that contributes to emotional processing. 
The amygdala interprets the images and sounds. When it perceives danger, it instantly sends a distress signal to the hypothalamus. When someone experiences a stressful event, the amygdala, an area of the brain that contributes to emotional processing, sends a distress signal to the hypothalamus. This area of the brain functions like a command center, communicating with the rest of the body through the nervous system so that the person has the energy to fight or flee. The hypothalamus is a bit like a command center. This area of the brain communicates with the rest of the body through the autonomic nervous system, which controls such involuntary body functions as breathing, blood pressure, heartbeat, and the dilation and constriction of key blood vessels and small airways in the lungs called bronchioles. The autonomic nervous system has two components, the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system functions like a gas pedal in the car. It triggers the fight or flight response, providing the body with a burst of energy so that it can respond to perceived dangers. The parasympathetic nervous system acts like a brake. It promotes the rest and digest response that calms the body down after the danger has passed. After the amygdala sends a distress signal, the hypothalamus activates the sympathetic nervous system by sending signals through the autonomic nerves and the adrenal glands. These glands respond by pumping the hormone epinephrine, also known as adrenaline, into the bloodstream. As epinephrine circulates through the body, it brings on a number of physiological changes. The heart beats faster than normal, pushing blood to the muscles, heart, and other vital organs. Pulse rate and blood pressure go up. The person undergoing these changes also starts to breathe more rapidly. Small airways in the lungs open wide. This way, the lungs can take in as much oxygen as possible with each breath. Extra oxygen is sent to the brain, thereby increasing alertness. Sight, hearing, and other senses become sharper. Meanwhile, Epinephrine triggers the release of blood sugar, glucose, and fats from temporary storage sites in the body. These nutrients flood into the bloodstream, supplying energy to all parts of the body's structure. All of these changes happen so quickly that people aren't aware of them. In fact, the wiring is so efficient that the amygdala and hypothalamus start this cascade even before the brain's visual centers have had a chance to fully process what is happening. That's why people are able to jump out of the path of an oncoming car even before they think about what they're doing. As the initial, initial surge of epinephrine subsides, the hypothalamus activates the second component of the stress response system, known as the HPA axis. This network consists of the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and the adrenal glands. The HPA axis relies on a series of hormonal signals to keep the sympathetic nervous system, the gas pedal, pressed down. If the brain continues to perceive something as dangerous, the hypothalamus releases corticotropin-releasing hormone, CRH, 
which travels to the pituitary gland, triggering the release of adrenocorticotropic hormone, ACTH. This hormone travels to the adrenal glands, prompting them to release cortisol. Well, what does this all mean? It means that the body thus stays revved up and on high alert. When the threat passes, cortisol levels fall. The parasympathetic nervous system, the brake, then dampens the stress response. Stay with me on this now, because there are some powerful nuggets here. What is happening to you in that moment is not as simple as your attitude. It's your body's chemical and physiological response to danger. Here are some techniques to counter chronic stress. Many people are unable to find a way to put the brakes on stress. Chronic low-level stress keeps the HPA axis activated, much like a motor that is idling too high for too long. After a while, this has an effect on the body that contributes to the health problems associated with chronic stress. Persistent epinephrine surges can damage blood vessels and arteries, increasing blood pressure and raising risk of heart attacks or strokes. Elevated cortisol levels create physiological changes that help to replenish the body's energy stores that are depleted during the stress response. But they inadvertently contribute to the buildup of fat tissue and to weight gain. For example, cortisol increases appetite so that people will want to eat more to obtain extra energy. It also increases storage of unused nutrients as fat. Fortunately, you can learn techniques to counter the stress response. Relaxation response and Dr. Herbert Benson, Director Emeritus of the Benson Henry Institute for Mind-Body Medicine at Massachusetts General Hospital, has devoted much of his career to learning how people can counter the stress response by using a combination of approaches that elicit the relaxation response. These methods include meditation, deep abdominal breathing, Focus on soothing words such as peace or calm. Visualization of tranquil scenes. Repetitive prayer. Yoga and Tai Chi. Most of the research using objective measures to evaluate how effective the relaxation response is at countering chronic stress have been conducted in people with hypertension and other forms of heart disease. Those results suggest the technique may be worth trying, although for most people, it's not a cure-all. For example, researchers at Massachusetts General Hospital conducted a double-blind randomized control trial of 122 patients with hypertension ages 55 and older in this study. Half of the people were assigned to relaxation response training and the other half to a control group that received information about blood pressure control. After eight weeks, 34 of the people who practiced the relaxation response, a little more than half, had achieved a systolic blood pressure reduction of more than five points and were therefore eligible for the next phase of the study in which they could reduce levels of blood pressure medication they were taking. During that second phase, 
50% were able to eliminate at least one blood pressure medication, significantly more than the control group, where only 19% eliminated their medication. Let's explore physical activity. People can use exercise to stifle the buildup of stress in several ways. Exercise, such as taking a brisk walk shortly after feeling stressed, not only breathe, deepens breathing, but also helps relieve muscle tension. Movement therapies, such as yoga and tai chi, combine fluid movements with deep breathing and mental focus, all of which can induce calm. A word on social support. Confidants, friends, acquaintances, co-workers, relatives, spouses, and companions all provide a life-enhancing social net and may increase longevity. It's not clear why, but the buffering theory holds that people who enjoy close relationships with family and friends receive emotional support that indirectly helps to sustain them at times of chronic stress and crisis. Some people and some professions have an even higher rate of this kind of emotional and physiological challenge, such as frontline military personnel, police officers, especially in urban high violence areas, emergency medical professionals and various victims of violence and trauma, now, here is where this podcast information gets specific to one particular group, black men. Black men have an unbelievable weight on their shoulders. The stress comes in, the, the stress comes in from every direction on a daily basis. The impact of walking down the street in your own neighborhood can be a traumatic experience in itself. Sometimes you don't know who to trust. You would love to trust your brother who shares the same pigment, but he's bound by that same fear that has you tiptoeing on eggshells just to walk to work or school. It's hard to trust the police because you don't know if they'll protect or serve. And sometimes the trauma happens in your own home. The dynamics of black household relations can often put a strain on the mind of a young black man who will grow up with this thing we call post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD. This disorder is developed after being exposed to something that is highly stressful, scary, or dangerous. This exposure doesn't have to happen directly to the person with PTSD. For instance, seeing your friend be killed, watching a car accident, and even being in the home of domestic abuse can all trigger PTSD in a person marked by frequent flashbacks, hallucinations, mood changes, and avoidance behavior, PTSD is a disease that gets overlooked in our community. Loud noises that sound like gunfire and other explosive blasts can trigger post-traumatic stress disorders. The U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs estimates 11 to 20 percent of military members who have served in Iraq or Afghanistan suffer from the condition in a given year. What some may not realize is that even fireworks can also be a source of stress and trigger for some veterans. Many men, but black men especially, are taught to be macho and keep it all inside. The be a man motto 
There's a lot of our men suffering in silence with PTSD. The symptoms can vary from person to person, according to nationally recognized author and mental health professional, Dr. Tasha Holland Cornegay. It can be intrusive symptoms such as thoughts and emotions that intrude into his life and cause him to re-experience trauma such as flashbacks, nightmares, and sudden feelings of terror. Another way of knowing is his attempt to avoid re-experiencing trauma and constantly feeling threatened, Dr. Holland Cornegay explained. PTSD can be a host of things, but for many black men, these things will be looked at as the normal way of life for brothers. Our black men have a distrust of the medical institution in America. Things like the Tuskegee experiment and other medical atrocities committed in the name of medical advancement and savagery keep many black men at home, self-diagnosing or coping in ways that are detrimental. Dr. Jean Bonhami, founder of the National Black Men's Health Network, offers some insight into why black men don't seek help. As an example, lack of awareness. For instance, African-American men die at the hands of prostate cancer at high rates, but if you ask a black man where the prostate gland is, he probably won't know. It's a lack of information out there for black male health concerns. All we seem to hear about are things like Susan G. Komen walk for breast cancer, but not initiatives for the mental health of black men. By no means do we want to place less value on women's issues, but this is an intriguing dilemma for black men. Another example, distrust of the healthcare system. There are some popular sayings that are quite indicative of how black men feel about the healthcare system, such as, Black people go in the hospital, they don't come out again. Or, I ain't gonna be no guinea pig, man. It's because of things like the aforementioned Tuskegee experiment and other medical mishaps that seem to toy with the lives of black men. Also, the healthcare system is mainly geared towards women. Again, we love you, but doctors' offices and schools seem to welcome women easier than they do men. When you go into a doctor's office, all you seem to see are magazines geared toward women's issues, which can be a turnoff message to men. Still, no excuse, but we seem to feel more comfortable at the barbershop and the bar than we do at the doctor's office. And yes, many of us work out physically, and those brain chemicals known as endorphins kick in to reduce our perception of pain and keep us going. But even the hardest workout may not always be enough. And here's one that goes way back, John Henryism. John Henryism is a popular phrase coined by black epidemiologist Sherman James, which proposes that re repetitive high effort coping with social and economic adversity is a major contributor to the well-known excess risk among poor and working class African-Americans for hypertension and related cardiovascular diseases. For those that aren't familiar with the legend and folklore of John Henry, here is the story in short. The moral of the story points out 
how black men go to the extreme to prove their worth and meddle in the attempt to survive and overcompensate for what society says against them. As Dr. Bonham says, black men drive themselves into distorted extremes trying to make up for what society has against them. In the final analysis of the topic here, when you've experienced the dramatic grasping of the purse by the woman nearby, or the overly aggressive nature of the law officer, or the extra level of observation and monitoring while shopping, or the response by scholastic professionals who tell you just be a carpenter when you're reaching for a higher station in life, or even your own friends and relatives who remind you that you must work twice as hard in our society to receive half as much. That's a bad thing, man. A bad thing indeed. Here's another one. The do-it-yourself mentality. As black men were taught to be stoic and not complain about our problems, we don't seek help because we're taught to make it happen in silence, which leads to a lot of harmful coping behaviors. This is a very powerful barrier to therapy because black men are so innately designed to not ask for help. In this society, we value the man that doesn't show any pain. Studies have even shown a correlation between life stress and income. For every other race besides black men, as income increases, life stress decreases. Maybe Notorious B.I.G. was right though for us. More money, more problems. Tell me who flop, who cop the blue drop, who jewels got blocks, who's mostly goshi down to the blue drop. The same old pimp, mace, you know ain't nothing changed but my limp. Can't stop till I see my name on a blimp. Guarantee me yourself, call the level up. You don't believe in Harlem world, nigga, double up. We don't play around, it's a bet, lay it down. Niggas didn't know me 91, bet they know me now. I'm the young Harlem nigga with the Goldie sound. Can't no PD, niggas hold me down. Cooler, school me to the game, now I know my duty. Stay humble, stay low, blow like hootie. True pimp, nigga, spin no dough on the booty. And when you yell, there go mace, there go your cutie. Yeah. Uh. 
agents mad cause I'm flagrant Tap myself and the phone in the basement My team supreme, stay clean Triple beam, miracle dream I'll be that, catch a seat at all events bent Gats and holsters, girls on shoulders Playboy, I told ya, me and Mike's to me Bruise too much, I lose too much Step on stage, the girls boo too much I guess it's cause you run with lame dudes too much Me lose my touch, never that If I did, ain't no problem to get the gap Where the true player's at Throw your rollies in the sky, wave them side to side and keep your hands high while I give your girl a eye. Play it please, lyrically, nigga C, B-I-G-B flossing, jig on the cover of Fortune, 5 double O. It's my phone number, your man, I got the know, I got the dough, got the flow down, pizzack, platinum plus, like Zizak, dangerous, on Trizak, leave your ass pizzack. And here's the big one. I'm not crazy. Brothers don't want to be categorized as crazy. Dr. Bonham uses a famous phrase when addressing his patient's uneasiness about seeking therapy. You're not crazy. You're responding to things that are crazy. You should be feeling a certain way when you're surrounded by death. You should be sad after going through a painful divorce, and you should be irritable for going through conscious bias, unconscious bias, and workplace racism on a daily basis. Don't be afraid to address the elephant in the room. Here are some signs to watch out for. Depression in men looks different than depression in women. You'll see a lot of behaviors in women that are telling, such as crying spells and expressed feeling of worthlessness. Many times, men aren't effectively introspective. Male signs are often behavioral. If you've ever seen brothers who are prone to excesses like gambling, irritability, sexual promiscuousness, and other self-defeating behaviors, they might be suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. These self-medicating coping strategies are harmful and require intensive medical treatment. Seeking therapy and comparing notes with a professional is effectively the best route. Because if every day you drop your bucket down into the well to get through it all, eventually the water will run out and your bucket will come up dry. Then what? And all that buildup, tension inside that we don't release, will eventually come out somewhere and it's usually not good. Black men can be pressure cookers, ready to explode when we don't address what we feel inside and instead live life passively trying to hang in there. Brother, make an appointment to see a counselor, a therapist, or talk to somebody. Talk with them about what weighs you down on a daily basis and what keeps you up at night. Get focused, get stronger, get clearer, get help where you need it. Because I'm telling you right now, mental health is wealth. 
Be well, people. Now, if you've evolved and grown and stabilized and are seeing the challenges for what they are, that's great. Share with other men. Talk to each other. Share the wealth. That's what I'm trying to do here because I feel obligated to do so. I have seen, experienced, and endured so much. It's now my end goal to use my travels to expand and improve the travels of others. Let's move these mountains together, y'all. Strong mind, strong body, great life. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of Round 12. May you live as long as you want and never want as long as you live. May the worst days of your future be like the best days of your past. And may you continue to answer life's bell every time. Until we meet again, time!